Hold on. I think that could... That's working. How are you? Oh, yeah. Not too bad. How are you? Good, 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 good. Hey, Alec, I've got a podcast about albums, and what we're doing is asking people for their recommendation. Hopefully, it's an album that Tim and I haven't heard before, haven't listened to the whole thing through, and okay. the idea is that we sort of both sitting around one day and went, you know what? Uh, we haven't sort of like listened to a whole album for so long. We just wanted to get back into that, so that's the conceit of this podcast that we're doing so the rules are we ask somebody for an album recommendation then we go away and listen to it and then we do like a review podcast on it so uh have you got a recommendation for us i have yeah uh i was thinking long and hard for the last 30 seconds and uh (laughs) i've got um one that i don't think you probably would have heard uh it's a it's a bit of a curveball i think Okay, but it's the film score from fantastic beast i don't know whether you've seen that film uh, yeah, no, I, I have definitely seen that film. Oh, nice. Me and my mate Dave, we went to see the film when it first came out, see, and then we both listened to the album at pretty much the same time. And uh, then we went to see the composer of the album as well, James Newton Howard. Yeah, right. Okay. So, And so you would put this album on when you were just at home, let it play from beginning to end, you love every bit of it this is an album that you wouldn't skip any songs no i i there's a couple on there um potentially that aren't as good as the rest but generally i'd say most of the tracks on there give you sort of a i don't know like a warm feeling it sort of makes you feel fantasy-ish i don't know whether that's a word but, <laughs> Do you... yeah I, I sort of get that sort of, obviously i was a massive harry potter fan as well it's hard to explain but yeah i, I i'm most of my music taste is orchestral stuff which is a bit different but it was either going to be this or some heavy metal album that i was going to recommend so it's like both ends of the spectrum really there's probably a good chance we'd heard the metal one the one thing i have sort of been saying to people is like is this an album that if you were doing stuff around the house uh, you just had to get some get get the washing done and a bit of cleaning and tidying done is this the album that you might stick on the background and just and just go for it yeah i i, I pretty much listen to whatever Music's one of those things that it can alter your mood or it depends on what mood you're in as to what you listen to, I suppose. But this sort of album, I'd, I'd stick it on any time, really, because it's, it's got sort of like dark sort of moody tracks in it and it's got light sort of uh, fun sounding tracks. It's it's one for sort of all emotions, really. So you can wash up to it or you can hoover, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> or you can or you can recreate your, fa- your favourite fantasy scene in your bedroom. Yeah, just as long as, long as no one's watching. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks for that, Alex. Uh, you want to give the show a plug? Uh, yeah, okay. Um, so I'm from a podcast called The OCP. So if anyone wants to check out that, we do sort of silly games, have a few guests on every now and again, and uh, just generally have a laugh. There's no real structure to it, I suppose. But yeah, come check us out. We're OCP pretty much everywhere. All right. Okay. Thanks for that, Alex. That's awesome. Thanks, Tom. Cheers. So, Tim, yeah, (laughs) 
This is not the podcast I expected to be doing. I thought that we might be doing stuff like old, obscure albums written by some long-lost rock god that only aficionados know about. They're only available on vinyl. Instead, we're doing Harry Potter. (laughs) Yeah, we're essentially doing Harry Potter. Yeah, we've definitely gone off on a different tack this time. But interestingly enough, even though it might not be a mainstream artist, it's still something that I guarantee almost 80% of listeners out there have actually heard. So it's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, that's an interesting point. I guess, yeah, I've seen Fantastic Beasts. I saw it when it came out. I've got kids, which is my excuse at my age. (laughs) I just... I don't have an excuse. I just wanted to watch it. I don't even think the kids have seen it. (laughs) But Alex is only in his 20s, so he did grow up with Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and the Harry Potter universe. I can only sort of tangentially feel that. I'm trying to think of something else, something that I grew up with that that would resonate like that. I don't know. It'd be like Round the Twist or Old Sesame Street or something. (laughs) Oh, like, I don't know. Uh, Lucky Magic, maybe? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. So diving into this was was a different beast altogether, pun intended. So obviously this one we've got this week is at the 2006 film, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. What would you call it? The offshoot of the, the Harry Potter or the next chronicle? Uh, um, it's kind of like a prequel. It's in the universe. It's a story it within the universe. It's, it involves some of the characters. Well, Dumbledore, that's it. While still being deeply involved in the Harry Potter world, it's uh, got really nothing much to do with Harry Potter at all, which is kind of nice and refreshing. Taken on a whole different timeline, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, and some of that was in some of the thinking behind the album. But we'll get into that. So it's an orchestral album. That's just the way you do a Harry Potter album, from what I, from what I, from, from what I understand. We all know what a, a wizard album sounds like. And it, and it's this, got all the greatest wizard heats. Yeah, <laughs> this one is very much is very much that. But how did you find listening to a to a movie soundtrack? Well, okay, we're experts now in listening to albums with no lyrics. We did, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we did Polyphia. That was great. So this is a movie soundtrack. What do you think going into this? Well, it's a tough one because there are no lyrics because it's not so much a song in the fact that it transitions through the normal things that a song would do, but, you know, the intro, verse, chorus, bridges, all those sorts of things. Rather than that, it's it's music that it evokes emotion. It, it sets up scenery in your head as well as, you know, obviously what you're capturing visually. But just to listen to it, um, it's interesting it was a bit of a hard listen to get into it first. I really sort of had to sit down and focus on it. And then, of course, I obviously I, I married it up to the film afterwards and everything was just like so much more coherent and, and the reason the orchestra's doing this part and why it's building and ebbing and flowing. But you can sort of get those visual images in your head, even just listening, even when you've got parts of a song that are all nice and easy, free-flowing, and then all of a sudden there's this mischievous scurrying kind of music starting to build and then all of a sudden something dramatic happens and this you know the the orchestra comes in with a big crash and you almost without even having watched the movie you're setting up these visual scenes and have a bit of an idea what is actually going on in the film if you've never even seen it before it's an interesting one because if you do any type of film course even even just your home video called line they'll tell you that Music and soundtrack, it's 50% of the film, especially after the in the edit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if you try and watch a movie with no soundtrack, it's almost impossible. It really helps with cueing and pacing, and it's telling the story 
just the music as much as the visuals and the dialogue. Absolutely. In a good way. Yeah, 100%. Especially stuff like this, which is so action and, and fantastical and all this amazing imagery that's happening. And, you know, none of it's actually real anyway. It's all computer generated, but like the two of them just working hand in hand, you could not have one without the other. Well, you sort of can if you're just listening to it, but if you wanted to, for, to be a part of that movie spectrum and, and everything involved in what you're seeing and what you're hearing, the two are not mutually exclusive at all. They're completely necessary and dependent on each other. So this album, composed by Mr. James Newton Howard, what an interesting cat this guy is. You don't know him, but you do, because <laughs> he's he's been the composer or, or co-composer on over 100 films. Before that, he had a short career for a couple of years as a session muso, working with the likes of Diana Ross and Ringo Starr in the early 70s. And then his big break came where he got picked up by Elton John in 1975 and became part of his touring band. Um, piano, yeah? Yeah, yeah, playing piano. And he arranged strings for several of Elton John's songs, including Don't Go Breaking My Heart. So, yeah, the guys got chops from way back. And then essentially what happened was he was asked to write a film score. Why can't I say film score? He was asked to write, a, fi- he was asked to write a film score for a small-time movie. He basically switched careers then and has since done, yeah, like I said, over 100 movies, including... Um, well, you might have a, a little bit of an inkling back to a you know, pretty low, uh, unknown movie called Pretty Woman. Oh, yeah, um, there's that one. Pretty Woman. Uh, what else we got? We got Fugitive. Did the soundtrack for that, which How is good all is about that one. Running. That one's banging. Uh, the Fugitive. Absolutely. What a great film. That's all about tension, that film, that soundtrack. Um, complete opposite of that, Space Jam, about as goofy as you can possibly get. But, you know, and then King Kong, The Dark Knight. Uh, OTT with, er- with Hans Han Zimmer co-composed, uh, The Dark That's Knight. right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But, hey, he's in, like, he's up in that rarefied air with Hans Zimmer and, and now... Uh, John Williams. John Williams. And insane. Yeah. yeah, he did some. Not all of his out, uh, movies were bangers, but his soundtracks were. He, he was involved with Waterworld. <laughs> <laughs> Case in point. Case in point. Um, all, almost all of the M Night Shyamalan films. Yeah, yeah. Like, worked, worked worked a lot with him. Hunger Games. Oh yeah, all, all three of the Hunger Games. I am Legend. The range is weird because he'll he'll have a crack at anything, and it it's not all what we're getting with this album, which is interesting because it's not always all strings and and full orchestra like. Some of those Absolutely, other soundtracks yeah. don't have that at all. No, no, not at all. I mean, like things like Hunger Games and that was like, you know, heaps of massive, massive sort of synthy and, and modern type music and programmed drums as well as orchestrated pieces to keep them together. And his his body of work is so diverse. It's crazy, in, isn't in it? Every... Like it's just mental. How do you get that good at writing stuff that you can just, they can throw you at anything and just go, you do this and, and, and they're up for it. It's much like you got... You know, uh, for this one, you know, he was up against some major composers and everyone had to submit their own little pieces to basically win the right to do it. And I think there was no no question of a doubt that they went the right path with, uh, with him. Well, he started classical piano lessons at four. I think that's how you... Um, I guess that's how you do it. <laughs> I guess that's how you do it. You just you, you learn from an early age the ins and outs of music. But to be that versatile and adaptable, being a session muso, I guess you've got to develop that and have chops or you don't have a career. And he was well on the way to working with some great people. 
and then made the switch to movies, he obviously found something that, that he could lean into even harder. Yep. You must have watched the same interview as I did with Mr. JNH, James Newton Howard. Was it the one where he's talking about, yeah, having to send in an audition? You know, someone was going like, well, so how do you how do you get the gig? It was basically somebody talking to him at the premiere and just doing a big interview. Prior to that, despite having done over 100 movies, he wasn't big on interviews. At no point was he looking for much celebrity. Okay. And he was sort of forced to do it being attached to the Fantastic Beasts, which is a huge franchise. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, he's talking about the process of writing this album, and he made it sound so easy because John Williams had done the Harry Potter soundtrack. It's iconic. You've got that the Harry Potter theme, what everybody thinks of as the Harry Potter theme. I think it's called Hedwig's Flight. That's um, the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, well, we all know what it sounds like. So that was the sound, and then I had to come up with stuff appropriate for the story and for the setting, which was New York. So everything sort of, all the songs on this album sort of lean towards that, setting that sort of is it 40s 30s uh yeah 20 20 or 30s i think it is yeah yeah sort of um new york there's lots of underground jazzy sleazy stuff in there just elements everywhere of that type of thing he's talking more about that process than oh how'd you come up with the the orchestral score and stuff well that's what it's got to sound like I can do that stuff. Let's talk about, you know, painting a picture here. Exactly. And that's exactly what he had to do as well. I think he did actually work on, like, the last three Harry Potter films as well. So he kind of had that sort of steeped in his background as well. But he was saying the biggest, uh, not wasn't a hurdle for him, but what he had to do was uh, musically create a world that was so Harry Potter, but separate but, but to Harry not, Potter. But not, yeah. It, you know, you know, you're watching something that's going to be fantastical and magical and and, and adventure and and exciting and all that kind of stuff. And and these Harry Potter films, they do have their own soundtrack. You know, it's like a, a Lord of the Rings film. You you know, you're you're watching a Lord of the Rings film because of the way it sounds. You know, Harry Potter also has that those tinkling magical sounds that the orchestra make. And he had to do that, make it sound familiar, then completely take it on a new path. And, and a new direction, and also harking back to the time that it was at, 1920s uh, America, which was just absolutely amazing thing for him to have done. And he does, and he sets up the scene, and he sets up that, you know, even just in the opening credits, you know, the, the very first song on the whole piece, you just, you're listening to it, and, you know, you know you're in for a magical ride. <laughs> I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but you do. The main titles has one little nod to that Hedwig's flight in it. and That's, that's right, it, yeah. And that's it. They didn't, he didn't repeat any other... Theme. So he had to make it sound like that, make it sound like a 20s gangster New York almost, and then not fall back on those themes. Yep. And go on a new path. Yeah. I think initially they were talking about putting more of your Harry Potter, which wouldn't have worked really. It's about a teenage boy. Well, this is about grown up adults with, like, they whip out their their wands in this movie like they're pulling out Tommy guns. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's much darker, it's a lot more dangerous. Then say the first Harry Potter film, which the all, all the other movies then build their themes on. So there's definitely a nod in there, but he he had to argue and fight to keep that quite small. But I love the titles of this album because it it just tells you <laughs> what's going on. Ah, oh, Tina takes oh, some titles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it starts with the main <laughs> themes, and then there's there's witches among us, and then oh, good lot. Tina takes Newt in. Oh, quite clearly, Newt got caught. <laughs> Uh, pie or strudel? <laughs> Which would you like? Uh, I think he wants both. Credence hands out the leaflets inside the case. Inside the case, 
is um the case. inside the case is where Newt goes down in, mm. and we see inside his case where he's got all these fantastic beasts and this whole interdimensional it's like a TARDIS case but they've it made is. it more ridiculous because it's just a suitcase and you have to climb in the lid inside the case is quite the lengthy track it's about nine minutes or something it is it's nine minutes which it's also, it's, a, it's a lot of film to get through it's a lot of uh setup to get through and uh a lot of different themes and a lot of different music used in that as each creature is discovered it's almost like each creature has its own little section of music to go with it from the triumphant ones to the little mischievous ones and they all you know they've all got their own little little piece of music to go along with it which is kind of fantastic yeah if i had uh very fantastic actually uh if i had to be nitpicky, and this is probably about the film as well. I probably thought that scene was a bit long. They could have cut yeah, okay. it. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, you've got to show off the Fantastic Beast. Absolutely. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and, and that track, for me, uh, rolls on quite a bit. If I found myself nodding off at all in this album, it was probably... Well, this is true as well. It's probably one of the lengthier, like that and the, um, and the you know, towards the final scenes, um, you know, the Great Chase and, and, and all that kind of stuff where it all comes to a head. They're probably the two biggest scenes... Because like all the rest of the pieces, they're only like you know two, three minutes long, but that's the, the length of time it needs to set up that bit of scene of the movie. Mm. So it's a, it's it's interesting in that a lot of it are, um, orchestral builds in and out of the song pieces itself, a fade in and fade out almost orchestrally. So like it's there can be a little bit of a you know a, not a sameness to it, but the, it is a bit like that where it's doing that part where it builds to the scene, and then you're having obviously the scene part, and then it fades down to the not scene part. You know, but all the other parts are fairly small, all things considered. Oh, yeah. It does such a great job of painting painting the pictures, though. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to have not seen the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, what would be interesting would be to put the movie on and the sound and turn the dialogue off. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. I, I, wanted to to do, I wanted to do it. I ran out of time. But that's essentially what they do on the orchestral tours, isn't it? They put the movie up on the screen, then they have the orchestra play the music. Oh, yeah, me. for sure. He's done a few of these, hasn't he? Well, only since this. Like, only since this. Yeah, okay. So he was encouraged to do this one, and I think he went on on a tour and played the score, which is what Alex saw. Then I think he's gone and done retrospectives of his work because he's got such this massive body of it, and there's so many recognisable tunes. Uh, I keep just flashing back to that scene in The Fugitive where Harrison Ford jumps out of the water tube, you know. Him and Tommy Lee Jones finally confront each other. He's like, I didn't do it. Tommy Lee Jones is like, I don't care. I'm going to get, you know, that scene. Yeah. Like, he scored all that. And so this is going to be quality. And it is quality. Look, I didn't really want to listen to a movie sound. I did. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I had it on my car. I've listened to it a handful of times. Given the time between episodes, I probably should have listened to it a few more times. But I liked it. I liked it. It really sort of opened my eyes. And. Just having to look up Mr. James Newton Howard sort of gave me a deeper appreciation for so much more, all these other films, and for the, that craft of songwriting. Oh, God, yes. Like we were saying, you know, it's just, it's just so extensive. It's so extensive. There wouldn't be a genre of film that he hasn't written an amazingly intense score for. In whatever way, if it's funny and comical like Space Jam, if it's bigger than Ben-Hur with King Kong or whatever, you know, like all of these things, they have their soundtrack and you know them in the back of your head from having seen the films and he's had that kind of an impact with you and the films wouldn't be as huge like could you imagine dark knight without all of that amazing work behind it his stuff when you look at it this this album being absolutely no exception it it really hones in on this is so emotive 
He's really doing a lot of work for each film. There's a lot of heavy lifting going on with the soundtrack. Absolutely. And considering it all just starts with him in a room on his piano, looking at these pieces, looking at these characters and just going, if I were to look at that person, what would he sound like? It's such a bizarre thing. Such an amazing skill to have. Like each character's got their own almost soundtrack that goes with them and their own theme and and he draws upon his ability to paint these pictures with your ear holes as well as your eye holes it's amazing <laughs> hey paint a picture with your ear hole <laughs> Care, yeah, no, careful careful the paint doesn't get in your eye hole just, <laughs> just one just delicately brush the canvas your eye you know um, if you're not blessed with long ones get some extensions no other way <laughs> So, tracks on this album. Did you, yeah. uh, I just want to check, did you listen to the the extended? No, I only discovered about that, like, literally tonight. So, Some were saying it wasn't super necessary. They were more filler pieces, but, you know, the, the bits that tied other bits together. So, this was kind of like the greatest hits one that we listened to, and the extended version. The only, Is that right? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's some, okay, so you know when they go into the bar and, and they're making that deal with the dwarf guy? The underworld dwarf. Yeah, the underworld, which is Ron Perlman. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Original Hellboy. Original Hellboy, Ron Perlman. And there's the jazz singer singing that number. So those little bits are on here, and there's like a couple of ragtime numbers and stuff. Uh, okay, yeah. I thought they were actually worth listening to, and I did. But they were sort of interlude bits. So I will leave them out for now. But if you're going to get this album, I recommend getting the one with the bonus track, the deluxe edition. But we, for the purposes of this podcast, we'll talk about tracks 1 to 17, which start with the... Main titles and end with the title. All right, standouts for you. Standouts for me. Um, I've got a few favourites in there. I, I did find with a lot of them, a lot of them didn't particularly grab me or take me to a certain spot that sort of made it memorable. They were just caught on kind of like more passing pieces of music, which is you know it's what you get when you're doing a movie. Of course, there's always those sorts of pieces. Mm-hmm. But uh, a couple of my favourites. I mean. Obviously, like well, you you have like the scenes, like the bank scene with with the little oh little, yeah little, the um the niffler little dude with, with the niffler the niffler I love the niffler the niffler is bloody awesome yeah. just the cutest thing in the world but that was just that was a it's just a, such a mischievous little piece of music oh, um totally made that scene oh uh, yeah 100 other than the the good cgi the niffler is yep. cute it's super cute that was amazing I, I thought inside the case was great in complexity of it you know it was still one piece of music it's still like you were still in that scene and in that journey and following him through the fantastic beasts and all of them 
but yeah, like I was saying before, just the the complexity of it and how each animal has its own theme, and and I I thought it all tied together really really well, and it flowed with the scenery, of course, as you would expect with a piece of music for a movie. It was exciting because it just went through so many little transitions. I really dug that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. For me, yeah, it's uh, the bank one, the mischievous one. That was pretty cool. Pile Strudel had a real sort of cool emotional thing. really like Jacob. I really like that character. And, oh, he's great, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, the guy who played it. I, I just thought he's... Dan, Dan Fogler? Dan yeah. Fogler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So cool. Such a such a grounding force in the film. Such a grounding character. So basically... And a I'm, human character. Yeah, very human. And I'm anything that brought back memories of his scenes were the standouts for me. Uh, this is a, a very interesting part of listening to a movie soundtrack. If you've seen the movie and, and liked the film, is yeah, instantly back remembering some of those bits. Uh, yep. Yeah. And the end where Newt says goodbye and, and Jacob's got a bakery. Yep. By the time I'd sort of got to that point in the listening, you know, I'm doing other things. I've heard, sort of forgotten. They're doing the rooftop chase, which is track 13 through to 15, is all the yep. end of the film. It sort of blazed over a bit listening to it. Indeed. Yeah, sort of mind started to wander. And when that came back in, I'm going, oh, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that was that was sort of cool and heartwarming, and I really like that bit of the film. It really was. And it was so complex, you know. There's so much to take in. There's so many scenes. Some of it, not so much. Just on the whole, there's so much to listen to. I mean, you're listening to a 97-piece orchestra all playing its own parts. If you can't do it with an orchestra, what can you do it with? They, they went deep in their resources. Budget was 175 to $200 million. That's insane, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, with, with a project like this, you're not want for resources. So if you want to put together two orchestras, you probably can't. <laughs> probably wouldn't have helped having double tuba but um you can never have too much tuba <laughs> they weren't making jaws they didn't need that much tuba uh, yeah, true. yeah so you do get cream of the crop and perfection and everybody working to do a good job you don't get on this project it doesn't matter who you are clearly with the fact that this guy with all the chops had to put together a showreel and and some ideas because he heard this was coming up. Sort of like it's it's not one of those things they would have put a an open call out for. They no no people would you would just know that they were making this movie and that they were looking for a composer and you basically had to go yeah I'm good enough and put your hand up and and come up with some themes and ideas and send it in. Yep, with the album you're getting everything by the film. Pretty much that simple. Like it's quite whimsical. <laughs> It's quite it's quite nostalgic to listen to a movie soundtrack after the movie. Yeah, yeah. 
Is there a thing? Yes, and like, a thing is short-term nostalgia. I guess like Alex is he'd grown up with it and when did Fantastic Beasts even come out? It's not that come on. 2016. It's not that old. Only four years, five years old. Five years old. Yeah, can you have nostalgia at five five from five years ago? Can you? I mean You can have, is that the you right can have anything you want, Tom. <laughs> this, this is our podcast show, we'll have whatever the hell we want. <laughs> well then I de- then I deem it nostalgia. Nostalgia. Uh, yeah. It, it's an it's a it's an interesting experience. That again, it's where this weird this weird concept of a I didn't think it was going to be this weird. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think that comes with asking friends and acquaintances, "Hey, what's the thing you, that you really love?" And then them just blowing you away, bizarre, <laughs> with excellent suggestions. Well, this is the thing we wouldn't have listened to it. If it hadn't have been suggested, and now we have, and here we are sitting with an amazing appreciation of, of wow, screenplays and uh, orchestral pieces that go towards it and the amazing James Newton Howard. Yeah, I feel like I'm not really doing this justice. Yeah, I, I don't have the musical language to really in-depthly talk about. Other I must admit, I, I was reading a review and like someone really picking the pieces apart and like, you're saying all of these words. I know some of these words when he's talking about, you know, quartet um, pieces and, and this, you know, tinkering. On the, oh, you know, I can't even recite the words they were using. They're all very orchestry. Did he say <laughs> oboe? Did he say oboe at one point? There'll always be an oboe. There's always the sneaky oboe. <laughs> the oboe of doom. The oboe of doom. Yeah. Not going to profess to be that type of musical people. I certainly can't. I don't have a formal education in, in music. So it makes it difficult to talk about on that level. Was the, just out of interest, was that review overly positive or negative? Or couldn't you tell? Uh, yeah, no, they, from, from a peer review, peer review, I guess it would be, Um, they said it was sensational. Ah, well, there they you go. Then I guess that's all that matter. We could we could tell that it was quality. Indeed. Yeah. So, okay. so let's do the rounds, Tim. Best track. Indeed. Best track. Best track for you. I mean, this is kind of cool because it's really open because impossible to separate it from the film once you've seen it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, yeah, I I, I, I kind of have two. I've kind of got, no, like, you know, the... Two. the Two, two well, best tracks. Well, they're both different and for different reasons. Like, really, even towards the end of the film, obviously, this is a, the final partish where they're chasing down the baddie. Mm. Uh, relieving Movie Wand and, you know, um, what is it? It's, it's actually the biggest title. Relieving Movie's Wand, Newt releases the Thunderbird. Uh, there you go. Ah, oh, so you've um, gone for the hero moment, like the penultimate. The hero moment, moment of the film, yeah. Yep, and that was great. It was tension and release and dramatic and exciting and fantastical, and then the rains came down and the pieces quiet. It's a poignant piece. As we were saying before, you couldn't have the scenery without that dramatic, dynamic, explosive music. Just the things you'd expect to see or expect to hear, just done really, really well. So it's like that piece, and, and then, yeah, in Inside the Case. Inside the Case. I really did like that. Yeah, it was magical. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. So they're my, they're my two favourites. Right. Well, I, I'm going to have to pick one, and I keep coming back to Pie or Strudel. It's a lovely piece. Yeah. It's fun. It's whimsical. It's like that. It's that 
first discovery of magic for the character of Jacob. Like, I just... Yeah, it's all, all, all awe-inspiring for him, isn't it? You yeah. know, just seeing it He's there in like, the flesh, Whoa. but like in a, in a beautiful way. And they and they couldn't have done it in a better way for that character. Food, his whole life's about it, and this magical dinner is being prepared, and it, it's that adds to his level of wonder. It's a genius bit of storytelling, really. It really is, and it also introduces him to the other side of magic, which isn't all feather and scary and monsters and chasing shit and all that kind of yeah, stuff. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, this is the beautiful side of things. Yeah, which is the bit that sucks you in with all the Harry Potter stuff. The, yeah. the, the first bit you see like that, if we're going back to Harry Potter, is, is Harry and Ron on the train, and it's just about to say and, that, and yeah, they, yeah they. <laughs> They get the sweet cut and all the fun bits in Harry Potter. Like there's Harry Potter the universe and the whole arcing story, but it's all the little things like the chocolate frog that bounces around and the the letter that screams at you and the it, it's all those tiny little things that are fantastical for us, but they're amazing versions of the mundane. Indeed. All right, Tim. So I'm going to say that was quite a, quite a heartfelt sort of best tracks there. Tracks oh, tracks you don't care for. I'm not going to say worst tracks. I'm going to say tracks you you just you skip. You'd skip if you're listening. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was there was a couple of little little ones like that, like you know, in the cells was probably one that just it just kind of because there was some pretty heavy dialogue going on in there, and there wasn't really needed to be much set up for it. It was just a arc brooding piece that faded in and didn't really go anywhere and fade back out. But you know, it's it's a tough one because they're not not necessarily songs. I guess they kind of are songs you would skip. Yeah. The scheme of the whole piece of music, if you were to look at the entire soundtrack, they're sort of they're all integral parts, and they've all got their bit to play. Um, but yeah, I know, in, the, in the cells, didn't really. Kind. Yeah, no. <laughs> I bet you got a couple. Well, actually, no. This will this will shock you. It's probably inside the case. It, it's yep. just a bit long for it. Oh, yeah, it sort that. of meanders through and stuff, and 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 that's fine. Hmm. Maybe I have a bit of bias because maybe I wanted the case scene to be something different than it was. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I buy about halfway through. I'm going. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. Uh, and I would. I, I would. If I was listening to it con- consciously, I would have skipped it. Maybe. Um, Dead. Yeah. So controversy there. I uh, mine's inside the case. That's one of your best ones. That was one of your best ones. It's all right. I'm going to look at you sideways next time I see you in the yeah, street. Yeah, you should anyway. I can only <laughs> just. I can only be observed properly from the corner of one's eye. <laughs> okay, so Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It's been an interesting trip, but the ultimate question, Tim, is, is this staying on your phone, on your listening device? Are you going to leave it on there and let it just turn up randomly on your uh, when you hit shuffle? <laughs> um, I don't believe so, no. It doesn't really suit a lot of the other things I listen to, just in the fact of what it is. I think it's been an amazing exploration, and uh, I've definitely gained a, a deeper knowledge. Because it is, it is something that you, whilst it's in the background and it's poignant to films that you've watched, you've never really, really analysed it or where it came from or the effort that went into making it or the genius behind it, you know. And for that, I appreciate it all. But, like, as a daily listen, nah, I don't think she's staying in there. Not for me. Okay, fair enough. And I am going to – I have to agree with you. It doesn't quite hold the – the same place in my in my life, obviously, as as it does for Alex, uh, being uh, some years older. For me, that movie is Blade Runner or something like that. The movie soundtracks I've owned before this have been songs from the movie, uh, and it would be 
Yeah. The Spawn soundtrack, great soundtrack, crap movie. I was going to say Spawn, Godzilla yeah. soundtrack. Godzilla soundtrack, yeah, not even a, yeah, not particularly good movies, but I mean, this is a, this is a good movie uh, with a great soundtrack. Diving into it, really, I think we've given it its due. I think so. And appreciate it, absolutely appreciate it. Is it going to stay on my phone? Uh, probably not, you know. But if the occasion arises and the, I don't know, kids are feeling whimsical or something like that, chuck it on. Might just go, oh, yeah, here you go. Fantastic beast coming at you. Maybe it will stay on your phone then. Uh, I mean, I know where to find it now. Like, that's, 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 that's it. That's it. I mean, like, I know where to find it. I know, and I I, I know, oh, yeah, that track. Dude, yeah, cool. Any final words? Yeah. No, I think that was a, it was an amazing piece of music. It was an amazing film. It was great to revisit it. I saw it when it came out. Um, oh, did you watch it, it again? Was... Did you actually watch it again these last couple of weeks? I did. Oh, yeah. I did. I actually sat, I sat down and rewatched it last night, actually. <laughs> and um, just to get just to get a bit more of a piece to it, because I, I obviously listened to it without, and uh, to sort of piece it all back together again was just uh, reaffirming. And, oh. um, yeah, it was, it was great to revisit it. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Oh, well, with that, I think we'll end the show. Um, hey, if you've got an album that you really love and you want us to really love it too, you can email us, albumspod at gmail.com. Uh, other than that, we will see you on the next albums. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.